You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah. Today, we're going to talk about the various places we've lived and what we liked and didn't like about each. But first, let's catch up on life lately. Abby, what's been happening with you? So this may come as a surprise to listeners who have been with us all along, but I have really been thinking about buying a duplex. (laughs) The only way that I would consider homeownership right now would be to buy a multifamily property. Have you been watching investment properties lately? I do love that show. But what happened is a duplex came for sale in our neighborhood. So it's just this like brick ranch style duplex. There are a lot of things that I like about it that I think would work for us long term. Okay. Each side is three bedrooms, one and a half baths, which feels perfect. Agreed. And then it also has a little building out back that's 400 square feet that has plumbing and electricity that would be an awesome Airbnb. Yeah. And it seems to need a lot of work, but the neighborhood is awesome. And people have done really fun stuff with brick houses in our town where they paint the brick and put like wood touches on the outside, kind of mod looking, and then Mm -hmm. get like a cool, brightly colored door with neat glass windows in it and stuff. And then they do a metal roof and like Mm -hmm. rain chains. And so I've just been looking at Pinterest at what other people have done about duplexes and just feeling really excited about that. We're not going to do it. We don't even know if we're going to live here long term, which is something that we're going to talk about today, I think. But it's been a really fun daydream that I've been having over the past few days. How do the numbers look for that? Are the housing prices such that it would be comparable to still paying the mortgage or would really having the other side cover a lot of your cost? I think that it would cover more of it than if we bought a single family home of a comparable size in the same neighborhood. Okay. Obviously, a multifamily property is going to be more expensive. Right. But to me, it seems as though the potential, because we're in a college town, it's a mm-hmm. great rental market. It's likely we could find graduate and professional students or postdocs mm-hmm. who would be good renters, who would be on the longer term side. It seems to me like it would be a good investment. And it seems like you'd get better renters with you living on the other side Mm because it takes a certain kind of tenant who wants to live next door to their landlord. Right. And I also kind of like the idea of living in community. I love living in the triplex that we live in right now. Mm -hmm. And so I would not be opposed to finding friends who wanted to rent the other side from us and sort of cultivating intentional community in that way. These are just all the things I'm excited about. Sarah, what's been happening with you? My life lately is about my hair. Love it. I generally keep my hair short. Mm -hmm. I buzzed my hair about a year after college. And Mm -hmm. since then, I've grown it out a couple times, but I usually keep it pretty short. And I was feeling irritated about life in general yesterday and was getting ready to take a shower. And I thought, you know what will make me feel better? Cutting off all my hair. (laughs) (laughs) And then I thought, is this the right mental state to cut off all my hair? But hair grows back and I really do like my hair short. So I went ahead, got my summer haircut, and now my hair is super short. And you've cut your hair really short several times Oh, I've buzzed my hair twice. Yeah. It's not that much shorter than it was before, Mm -hmm. but I'm always surprised when I look in the mirror the first few (laughs) days after it happens. Yeah. Because I'm not used to seeing myself with so little hair. But I bet it's so cool and breezy. It is. It feels great for the summer. I don't love it when it's quite this short. I like it a couple weeks later, but Mm -hmm. it's hard to get it exactly the right length with the clippers. Yeah. So to me, it's like, okay, this isn't my favorite stage, but we're going to hit my favorite stage soon. Yeah. And it'll be great for traveling because it's so easy. Perfect. Let's move on to what we've been reading. What have you been reading lately? I've been reading Presence by Amy Cuddy. Have you watched her TED Talk? No, I haven't. I haven't heard of her before. So Amy Cuddy is a social psychologist who's on faculty at the Harvard Business School. And her TED Talk is about power posing. Okay. It's this idea that if you take a really powerful pose before a job interview or before you give a talk or something like that, Mm -hmm. that you're perceived as more confident and competent. Can you describe a power pose? 
Yeah, a power pose would be like how Wonder Woman looks. Oh, okay. Feet spread apart, hands on your hips, really proud shoulders, head up a little bit. But there are lots of them. There are seated power poses too. And I really recommend that TED Talk. It's one of my favorite ones. And she tells a really beautiful personal story as part of it too, which I think often those are the best TED Talks where they give you research and some stories from their own lives. Mm -hmm. But anyway, the idea behind the book is that being truly present in a meeting gives you confidence, which makes you seem more competent, which makes you more likely to be successful in whatever your goal is. So if you're meeting with venture capitalists, they're more likely to give you money. And then I'm not all the way through it yet. I may be halfway through, but she talks about sort of different aspects of presence. Mm -hmm. And so her body language stuff comes into it some, but then she talks about other things like the power of listening. I'm just really enjoying it. I picked it up because I'm giving a workshop in a week for some scientists Mm -hmm. and I'm doing a session about meetings. And so I wanted to just sort of see what the social science research that was out there was about. And I was so glad to see that she wrote a book and she does a very similar thing that she does in her TED talk where she'll talk about a study and -hmm. then she'll tell a personal story. And that's my favorite kind of nonfiction to read. It's really hard for me to just read straight through with science or history. I love when the narratives are sort of woven in. So I'm really enjoying it. Who would you say is the target audience for her book? I think it's pretty much anybody. Maybe more, slightly more toward people who are thinking about business type things. But the story that I just read is about a pastor in Boston and gang violence. Okay. So it really seems to apply to anyone who's having interactions with other people. So unless you're a hermit, (laughs) this book is for you. It sounds really interesting. And I'll definitely check out her TED Talk and we'll link to that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Worth watching. Sarah, what have you been reading? I just finished reading All the Ugly and Wonderful Things by Bryn Greenwood. And I would say this is one of the top three books I've read this year. As I was reading it, I was thinking, this is fiction as fiction should be. I went into it not knowing very much about it. Mm -hmm. I think it was voted the Book of the Month Club Book of the Year last year. Okay. So I think it kind of had its moment last year, and I'm a little bit late to the game. Mm -hmm. But it follows the relationship of Wavy and Kellen. And Wavy is the daughter of a drug dealer in Kansas, and her mother is an addict and has some mental health issues. And then Kellen is one of her dad's thugs. And they meet when Wavy is eight. And I had trouble nailing down Kellen's age, but I think he was in his late teens when they met. So about a decade older, probably a little bit more. And it just chronicles their relationship until Wavy is 21. And it's one of the books where the chapters alternate perspectives. Mm. So most of it is between Wavy and Kellen, but there's also other characters that come in once or twice throughout the book to offer a different perspective. Okay. And I actually really like that in this book. I'm hit or miss on how I feel about that, Mm -hmm. partly because I get so into one character's perspective that it's hard for me to switch. Mm -hmm. And I'm always a little bit disappointed at the end of a chapter when I know I'm going into somebody else's side because I want to keep with the one I was with before. Even when I like it once I'm a couple pages in, but doing that transition over and over throughout the book, I find tiring. Mm -hmm. But I didn't feel that at all with this book. Every time it was so interesting to see what somebody else was thinking or feeling as the relationship developed. Cool. And it was a book that really challenged me and made me question my own assumptions and look Mm -hmm. at a situation from a different point of view. Hmm. At the end, you so strongly feel that How something looks from the outside and how a family looks from the outside is not how it looks to the people that are in it. Mm -hmm. And relationships and love are important and valid even when they're not how people expect them to be. But it was a great book. I feel like I read a lot of three, maybe four star books. And Mm -hmm. to me, this one was definitely a five star book. Solid five stars. Yes. So, So would you recommend it? Absolutely. It dealt with a lot of hard stuff. But I feel like it was just more uncomfortable because Mm. you have to come to terms with your own assumptions about things. And I still Mm. don't know quite how I feel about all of it now that it's done. Mm -hmm. But I think that is what books should do. And that is how you should feel when you're reading things is to stretch yourself and think about things in a new way. Nice. 
Let's move on to our topic for today, which is the places we've lived. So we're going to go through and starting with our hometowns and ending with where we are now, talk about the places that we've lived. And we're going to chat about what we liked and didn't like, and then what we miss and what we don't miss. So let's start with our hometowns. Why don't you tell us about growing up in Garland, Texas? Okay. So Garland, Texas might sound familiar to King of the Hill fans because the town in that show is called Arlen, Texas. And I think that it's at least in part based on Garland. I did not realize that. Yeah. It's a really special and wonderful claim to fame. (laughs) Garland is a huge suburb of Dallas and it's one of the closest suburbs. So it's still in Dallas County. How long does it take to get to downtown Dallas from Mm. where you grew up? Depends on the traffic, of course, but maybe between 30 and 50 minutes. Okay. In many ways, it was a pretty typical suburban growing up experience. And my parents chose it when they were living in Dallas. They were originally living just in the city of Dallas. And then they moved to Garland because there were really good schools. Living there, we definitely had great public school experience. My sister and I did public school all the way through, and we were able to do magnet schools in elementary school, middle school, and high school. So that was something that I definitely liked about it. What was really hard about growing up in the Dallas area was how conservative people were. Mm -hmm. Texas is a conservative state, and Dallas is a very conservative city in Texas, though that has shifted lately, I think. Often, Dallas does go blue, at least Dallas County does, in electoral maps. But when I was there, it felt like the buckle of the Bible belt in that people were very religious and in an exclusionary way. I don't have anything against religion, but it was sort of like a lot of evangelical Christianity that felt like it's my way or the highway. And so Mm -hmm. if you believe slightly differently, and I grew up going to the Unitarian Universalist Church, which is in no way evangelical Christian, it was really hard to be different. And I think in many ways, it was good to grow up in such a challenging what would you call it, political or intellectual environment? Because it really made me get clear on what I believed Mm -hmm. in a way that I'm not sure that I would have if I'd been surrounded by people who believed the same as I did. Absolutely. So in that way, I'm really thankful for it. But I remember a lot of times thinking that I was wrong about other things that I believed. And I think eventually it did make me stronger, but it was really hard at the time. I think it's really hard to, I don't know if you experienced this or not, but the idea of friends and people you're around thinking you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. And I did not grow up in such a conservative area, but Mm -hmm. I still felt that and found that to be really hard to deal with as a kid when you're still trying to figure out all of these things and having that Having people thinking you're going to hell, that was, that's a really big challenge and definitely was something that I experienced. About the city itself, it's not a very walkable city. Cities in Texas in general tend to be pretty sprawling. There's a lot of room for people to spread out. People Mm -hmm. do move out to get better house prices Mm -hmm. um, or for schools. But as a result, we drove absolutely everywhere which was not my favorite thing. What I miss about Dallas and why I still like to visit there is that there is awesome shopping and awesome food. I don't miss being around a very conservative population Mm -hmm. and I don't miss having to drive everywhere. And I grew up in Columbia, Missouri, which is a university town. It's where the University of Missouri is and it's right in the middle of the state. So we're exactly halfway between St. Louis and Kansas City, and we're half an hour north of the capital, which is Jefferson City. Mm -hmm. And I really loved growing up in Columbia. I liked that it wasn't too big, but that it was big enough that all going through school, you could find friends and people like you. It didn't have that small town feeling where everybody knew your business, Mm -hmm. but it was small enough that anywhere you went, you ran into somebody that you knew. Mm -hmm. So I liked that mixture. 
I also like that in a university town, it is more progressive. And as a kid, I wasn't taking advantage of things like more music coming in or more theater coming in. But Mm -hmm. I feel like those things help shape the atmosphere. And I liked what the university brought to my experience growing up. Mm -hmm. I also went to public school all the way through. Columbia was known for having great public schools, as I think many university towns do. Mm -hmm. I also love that being a university town, there was more food options Mm -hmm. and more international food than you would get in a town of similar size elsewhere. Yeah. But overall, I really liked it. And when we were looking to leave Austin, Mm -hmm. I was hoping we would move back to Columbia. Yeah. I liked it as a kid, but I never expected that I would want to come back there Partly because the model I had was you grew up in a place, Mm -hmm. you left home to go to college, and then you found a job somewhere. And we did not have extended family that lived in town with us. And I just Mm -hmm. always thought I would leave. But it was never a, I can't wait to get out of this place. It was just, that's what you do as you grow up. Mm -hmm. What I miss about Columbia now as an adult is being close to my family. Mm -hmm. And now that I have kids, I wish that I lived there One, because I love the town, and to be close to my parents and my sister who are still there. Mm -hmm. And what I don't miss is how spread out it is and how not as accommodating to cyclists it is. And you definitely can get around by bike and walking, but it's not as easy as it is other places, even other college towns. Mm -hmm. So then we both left our hometowns. And came to Conway, Arkansas, where we mm-hmm. went to college. Yep. And we are not going to talk about Conway simply because so much of our experience was life lived at Hendricks on campus. Which is probably a really different experience. Yes. Than living in Conway, Arkansas. Yes. As an actual resident and not as a student. And we've talked a lot about our experience at Hendricks in the first episode that was all about college. While I was in college, I studied abroad. And I lived for a year in Freiburg, Switzerland, which is about 20 miles west of Bern. Even though I was a student there, I really did feel like I was living in Freiburg. Mm-hmm. And different than if I had moved there as an adult with a job on my own. Right. But I was paying rent in an apartment and buying my own groceries and taking care of those things myself mm-hmm. in a way that I wasn't when we were at Hendrix. What I liked most about Freiburg was how walkable it was, and Mm -hmm. how easy it was to get everywhere. The whole downtown area was pedestrian only. It was a brick pedestrian mall through the old town, and no cars could go in. That's amazing. And the whole town felt like that. Only one person I knew there had a car. Everyone else just got around by public transit or walking or biking. Mm -hmm. What I didn't like there honestly didn't have to do with the town. It just had to do with my experience. And it was hard to be really far away. Mm -hmm. And it was an amazing year of my life. And I wouldn't trade it. But it was at the beginning of things like Skype and Facebook. So it wasn't as hard to communicate as it would have been even five years before. Mm -hmm. But it was still lonely at times. Yeah. So what I miss is the amazing cheese and beauty and walkability What I don't miss is all the cultural blunders that I made. And (laughs) I liked the challenge and I learned a lot, but it was a very humbling year. And Mm -hmm. it's hard to feel like every single day I'm I'm making these big mistakes and having to to just keep going. Mm -hmm. After college, I moved straight to Nashville for graduate school. And when Andrew and I were deciding about graduate schools... We applied to several in the Southeast, and it was just really lucky that we ended up at Vanderbilt. We both got in there. They did great with our stipends and financial aid there, and Andrew grew up there. Is that why you guys were only looking in the Southeast as opposed to other parts of the country? We both had a desire to be close-ish to family and to keep our cost of living low. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of great places to do science, but as a science graduate student, you're on a stipend that doesn't really increase. And so the idea of living in a place like Boston or San Francisco, where there's really awesome science, even though their stipends for graduate students are more there, it just wasn't something that we wanted to deal with when we could get great quality of 
education somewhere much more affordable. And it was really awesome to end up in Nashville. We were there at a time when Nashville was really growing and it's still growing like crazy, but felt like we were sort of on the cusp of them starting to do a whole bunch of things around urban renewal and the food scene really coming up and getting awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nashville has really unique culture because of all the music stuff that's happening there. Right. But I feel like all these other cultural things sort of rose up to that level in the six years that we lived there. And that was really cool. And the other thing that was really special about being in Nashville was being so close to Andrew's family. It was our early marriage and they didn't really know me. But because we were living there, they got to know me separate from Andrew right. in a way that I don't think that they would have if we had been living any of these other places that we had looked. And I really cherish that time and the relationships that I have with my in-laws, not just my parents-in-law, but my brother-in-law and sister-in-law mm-hmm. lived there um, for at least part of graduate school, too. So that was really, really special. Where we lived in Nashville was right by Vanderbilt. So we had a very walkable life, which was awesome. We could walk to most of the bars and restaurants that we were going to as graduate students and then walk home at the end of the night. And I've talked about this before, but we had a townhouse that was a really good size for us and felt really welcoming to welcome friends. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of things I really loved about it. I think Toward the end of the time that we were there, all that growth that I was talking about started to get out of control. And so traffic started to get really out of control. So even though we weren't driving a lot when we did drive, it was pretty frustrating. And I think if we were to go back there now, we would have to be really choosy about where we were living. Yeah. Because it is so much bigger and it does have the feel of a bigger city now. And it is so spread out because mm-hmm. Neil and I had considered moving there at one point. One thing we do when we look at where we're moving is the square miles of the city mm. to get an idea of how spread out everything is. Yeah. And of course, that also is impacted by other things like, I mean, the city itself may be small, but is it surrounded by all these suburbs that still make it feel that big and things mm-hmm. like that. But Nashville was, for its size, a lot of square miles. Yeah. But It was very spread out. That's a good point. So what I miss about Nashville is some the food and also the community that we had there. There's something really special about the first place that you go after college. And so coming up as an adult there at the same time as the city was coming up Mm -hmm. into a sort of fuller expression of itself was really special. And I feel like the friendships that I made in that context are really wonderful. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's where you started your marriage and where you were engaged. And, yeah. yeah. And it's where we got married. We got married in Nashville. Yeah. But what I don't miss are those things like the sprawl that was starting, mm-hmm. the traffic that just seems to get worse and worse. Things are getting much more expensive there. And I'm thankful that we are in a place where even though it is still pretty pricey, especially as compared to a lot of places, it feels more stable. Right. Because the growth isn't happening quite the same way. And so the first place I lived out of college was in Little Rock. Neil still had a year left of college, and I ended up getting a job in Little Rock. And I waited tables and worked at an outdoor shop for a year. Mm -hmm. And I also needed a break before going into grad school to kind of figure out what I wanted to be doing and to have a break from school after all of those years of schooling. Mm -hmm. And this was the first place where I really lived on my own. In Switzerland, I lived in an apartment, but some of that had been set up by the international exchange program that I went through, Mm -hmm. where in Little Rock, I applied for the first apartment by myself and was paying all the utilities by myself and Mm -hmm. just much more responsible for everything. And I really loved it. I was in a great neighborhood. It was in Hillcrest. Everything in that neighborhood is really beautiful. And it has a little walkable strip where the grocery store is there and then several little restaurants and a coffee shop are there. Mm -hmm. And one of our good friends was going to med school at the time, which was just down the hill from where I was living. Mm -hmm. So I got to see him on a regular basis as well. And the apartment was a giant one bedroom apartment there in an old brick building. Mm -hmm. It all felt very adult to me. Mm -hmm. It felt really good to be supporting myself. And I was not doing my dream job, 
But being able to pay my own bills, start saving money, I remember being really proud of myself and just feeling like, yeah, I'm doing it. And this isn't my long-term plan, but Mm -hmm. I am making it work. And I loved that feeling. Yeah, it sounds like you felt really empowered. Yes, I did. So I don't miss that much about Little Rock as a city. Mm -hmm. It was a good place to be. It has a really nice bike trail around the river and the neighborhood we were in was really great. Mm -hmm. But overall, the whole city isn't very walkable Mm -hmm. or bikeable. And it had more elements of the conservative Christian culture Mm -hmm. that were a part of it as well. Honestly, when I look back, what I miss isn't anything to do with the city. It's just that experience and that the first feeling of being on my own and making that work. What I don't miss... I would say that would have have more to do with the jobs that I had there. You know, I don't miss working retail or waiting tables. Mm-hmm. And they were great jobs for me at the time. But it can also be really mentally exhausting. Mm-hmm. I am happy to have moved on to a different phase of life. Yeah. And then Neil and I looked for grad schools together and we ended up in Corvallis, Oregon. And Corvallis is my dream city. <laughs> It's like a biking mecca, right? Yes. It is so easy to get around biking or walking. It was so beautiful. We were less than an hour to the ocean and about two hours to the mountains. But there was really great hiking even closer than that. There was an amazing food co-op that is so much better than any other co-op I have been a part of. That's the first place Neil and I really lived together. That was our place. He moved in with me at the end of our time in Little Rock, but It's different when someone moves into your space than it Mm -hmm. is when you move into a new place together. So true. And Oregon is where we got engaged. And it just holds this really special place in my heart. And I loved the town there. If we could move back to Corvallis, I don't know. I'm happy where I am now, but I just really, really liked it. And Mm -hmm. looking back, I wonder if I'm romanticizing it and Mm -hmm. if it would seem the same to me now as it did then Hmm. or not. But I love college towns. It was the right size. I love the climate. What I didn't like was how single-minded a lot of things were there Mm. and how I think it fostered an environment where you assumed everyone agreed with you and Mm -hmm. people could become lazy with the way that they thought. Similar to what you were saying about in Garland, you think it challenged you to be really clear about what you believed. Right. And I feel like people became very lazy about what they thought. Mm -hmm. So... That's something that I don't miss. And the thing I miss most is the cooperative. (laughs) I really miss our food co-op there. I love it. Then after Corvallis, Neil and I landed in Columbia for a little while as we were looking for jobs. And I went back to retail and was paying the bills while we tried to figure out where we were going to go. And coming back to Columbia as an adult was great. Most people I knew were long gone, aside from my family. Mm -hmm. Although... Pretty sure I saw every single person I know when I worked at Barnes and Noble, and they all came to buy books for Christmas time. And that's real <laughs> special to be working that job after getting your graduate school. degree. Yes. <laughs> nice. Then we ended up in Austin. And we knew going into the job search that we would probably end up in a big city because the kind of work that Neil did was there are just more jobs in a bigger city. Mm-hmm. But that long term, we were wanting to move to a college town again and to be someplace smaller. Mm -hmm. So we went into the move thinking, we'll probably be here for about five years and then we'll be looking to move on. And we ended up staying for four, a little over four. So Mm -hmm. pretty close. What I loved about Austin was how much was happening there. There was a lot happening with the local food scene, which I was pretty involved in. Mm -hmm. Not just things happening around Austin, but actually in Austin. And... It felt like that had been going on for a while, but some of my favorite experiences in Austin had to do with participating in that culture. Mm -hmm. I also loved being part of the bigger city that it felt easy to find our people there, Mm -hmm. that there was so much going on and so much going on that we were interested in, both with local food and with biking. What I didn't love was the size, which is what we knew going into it, that we are Mm -hmm. not big city people. I don't love being where it takes so long to get out of town that you can just drive and drive and drive and it's still concrete. And you're still in Austin. Yes. Yeah. And 
I didn't like the heat by the end of it. I found it really hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we didn't really participate in some of the things that are quintessential Austin. We didn't do the local music scene. Mm-hmm. It's the live music capital of the world. But I think we only saw a couple of shows the whole time we were there. Yeah. As we discussed in the Guilty Pleasures episode, I am not a music snob and <laughs> not into what is hip. So, so unless they're playing John Mayer covers on repeat, <laughs> I live music. But it is where both of our kids were born. So that's a really special place to me. And mm-hmm. we had a great community there of people. And I really miss that. And the support system we had when our kids were born and the support system I created with other parents Once I knew that I could have that, it made me want to recreate it in our next move. But like you were saying about Nashville, the housing prices were going bananas while we were there. Mm -hmm. It was feeling long term, like it was not going to be an affordable place for us to stay. Yeah, It's one thing if we loved it and it really felt like home, we would have made it work. Right. But for us, it felt like this isn't our ideal place. Mm -hmm. This isn't exactly what we want. It's too big and it's too hot for us. So why would we be paying more to stay in a place that we like less than other places that are cheaper? Mm -hmm. The longer we were there, the more I felt like I could see us staying Mm -hmm. because I loved our community there. And the longer you're in a place, the more rooted you feel. But At one point, we had a conversation and I had been joking like, oh, we're just going to end up here. We're never going to leave. And Neil said to me, Sarah, I don't want to joke about that. I think that if we want to leave, then we need to make it happen. And we shouldn't be saying, oh, we're going to stay here forever. We should look for jobs other places. So I said, "Okay," And then we started seriously looking at moving. Mm -hmm. And when I look back at Austin, I had one Austin evening that captured everything that I loved about Austin. Mm -hmm. We have a mutual friend who is from Austin. So whenever she was home visiting her family, we would get together Mm -hmm. and she came to my house and we biked to Zilker Park, which is a huge park on the river in Austin. Mm -hmm. And we attended the Zilker Musical, which is a free musical they do on the hillside there. And then at the intermission, we went into Barton Springs Pool, which is a spring-fed, really cold pool they have there, Mm -hmm. and jumped in there and swam and seeing bats flying overhead. Austin also has the largest urban bat colony in the country. Mm -hmm. I remember at the time as we were swimming there and the sun was going down, it was a hot summer night, and just thinking, this is Austin as Austin should be. Just all the things I loved about it. And we have a lot of great memories there. What I miss the most are the tacos because they were (laughs) so delicious. Preach. Like nowhere else on earth. And when I was pregnant with E, I ate them so much. And (laughs) we don't eat out very often, but I just remember biking around. It was really hot and we'd be going to a park and I would be hungry again, even after I had breakfast. And I would just think... I'm pregnant. I deserve this. I would stop and get myself tacos almost every day. And it was worth it. And what I don't miss is the heat. It's one thing when it's for a little while, but when it's for so long, it was a challenge, especially with young kids. So we were getting ready to move to North Carolina because that's where Andrew had taken a postdoc. But I made a stop on the way, which was Chicago, Illinois. I had a writing internship at the Chicago Tribune for the summer. Yeah. I was in the iconic Tribune building in downtown Chicago. I lived in a studio apartment in a high rise in Streeterville, which is a 15 minute walk from Michigan Avenue. And even though it was a short time, I felt like because I was there by myself, because I was working a a regular job, being a journalist in a newspaper newsroom felt super like a grown up job too, even more than being in graduate school, that I really felt like I was living there and I had to do everything myself. So I had to do the groceries. I had to figure out how to get places. Mm -hmm. I had to find friends to hang out with. And there were some other interns in the newsroom that I hung out with. But then I also did things like met up with a friend from Nashville's sister because I was lonely. Community-wise, it was probably the most challenging. Mm -hmm. 
place for me because I was used to living with my husband and having this like very dear group of friends and family around me in Nashville. And then Mm -hmm. I was basically flying solo. But there were also awesome things to do in Chicago. So I went to the Lincoln Park Zoo. I went to the lake, which was really close. I could walk down to the lake. The summer that I lived in Chicago, summer 2013, we actually had really amazing weather. So I think Chicago can be really muggy and hot in the Mm -hmm. summer, but it didn't really get hot while I was there. So it was just like breezy and awesome. I walked to the farmer's market every weekend. It was like I really felt my adulthood in a way that I hadn't Mm -hmm. because I'd been in school that whole time. So you're still a student and you're still sort of controlled by like the school year calendar and that kind of thing. Yeah. Even though I was an adult, was paying a mortgage, was doing all these things. Right. That was my very adult experience and doing it solo made it just that much more impactful. It does. It feels different because doing it like in Switzerland, I had those similar feelings of Mm -hmm. everything felt like this huge accomplishment. Yeah. You know, I bought myself a train ticket someplace all by myself in French, you know, that I felt, yeah, like I really had it together or even Uh if I didn't, that I was still doing it, even though if I was making a bumbling mess of it, there's something really satisfying about doing it yourself. Mm -hmm. When I moved to Austin with Neil, it didn't have that same feeling as doing it. And maybe that's because I'd done it before. But maybe I think it is playing solo is really different. Yeah. And I'm glad I've had those experiences. Even though I got married young, I'm glad I still had a f- those times when I was on my own. Mm-hmm. Me too. So Chicago is a really cool city. It is humongous. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of awesome stuff going on there. A lot of really incredible food. But what I don't miss about it is how big it is. And just, you know, that I lived on like the 22nd floor of a giant building. Right. And there were just so many people that I never ran into anyone that I knew. And granted, I didn't know that many people, but it was a lot more anonymous way Mm. to live, Mm -hmm. which I didn't love. I didn't feel super connected. And what I do miss was that feeling of accomplishment Mm -hmm. of doing things and feeling just so proud that like I navigated to Trader Joe's and then I found the farmer's market. Now I'm going to go home and cook this amazing dinner for myself and look out at Lake Michigan. And I am an adult. Yes. Then after the summer in Chicago, Andrew and I were back in Nashville. Well, he had just been there. He had stayed the whole time for a month. And then we moved to Carborough, North Carolina, which is just outside of Chapel Hill, which is where we still are. I've talked about this before, but I love it here. Mm -hmm. I think that this is my favorite place that I've lived in terms of the size that it is. I think Carborough itself is smallish, but then it goes right up to Chapel Hill. I mean, they're practically indistinguishable. And then Durham is very close and Raleigh is just a little bit further. So in terms of things that you have access to living in this area. We really want for nothing. Mm -hmm. So I love the size that it is. Because we live close-ish to the city center, we can walk to basically anything that we need. So the grocery is really close. The library is really close. We have access to two different playgrounds within a seven-minute walk. And the buses into Chapel Hill are free. So if you don't want to walk 30 minutes, you can just hop on a bus and depending on the time of day, be there in 10. And it's free for everyone or people affiliated with the university? The Chapel Hill City buses, which run into Carborough, are free for everyone. That's amazing. It's awesome. I also love the political climate, though North Carolina tends to be a little bit more conservative. There are pockets of progressiveness Mm -hmm. and... North Carolina is a swing state, which is the first swing state I've ever lived in. Yeah. And so in many ways, that's really nice encouragement to engage. Right. And that has been really fun. It's also been hard because there are just as many people who think not like you do. Right. But I think I prefer that. Also love that Chapel Hill is a college town. And so by extension, Carborough basically is too. And Carborough is a really welcoming place in terms of welcoming immigrants, which I love. And I just like the vibe. I like the weather. I would be happy if we never moved. We'll see what happens. It's a great way to feel, though. It is. 
even if we do have to move, I feel really lucky that we've had a chance to be here in what feels like a really great place. So in Austin, Neil and I decided we were ready to find a place to put down roots. Mm -hmm. And we really looked at the job search as looking for a place where even if it wasn't our forever place, it had the potential to be our forever place. Mm -hmm. And we made a spreadsheet of all the college towns in the country where we wanted to live because I love college towns. And (laughs) we knew we didn't want to be in a big city, but we wanted to be someplace with progressive values and having some of those big city amenities. And I just think college towns are the perfect combination of that. When we were looking, a job came up in Bloomington, and that's the one that worked out. And I have been really happy with our choice to be here. It is so beautiful here, and that's something that Columbia wasn't. Mm. And I like a lot of things about Columbia, but it's not in a very beautiful part of the country. And I don't think the city itself is very aesthetically pleasing. Mm. Where in Bloomington, I really feel like it is, that there are more trees in the town. There's more beautiful landscaping. You have really beautiful old buildings in the downtown Mm -hmm. and around the university. Yes. There are more parks than there were in Columbia, or at Mm. least there's more parks that are in the circle of things that I do than Mm -hmm. there were growing up. So to me, it feels like all the things I love about Columbia, plus it's more beautiful here, both in the city and southern Indiana is more beautiful than central Missouri. Hmm. And it's still not the same as living in Oregon or some of these more picturesque parts of the Mm -hmm. country. It has a subtler beauty, Mm -hmm. but there's still a lot you can do to get out and enjoy the outdoors. And the other things I love about it are the same things I've said about Corvallis and Columbia. Just the smaller, more compact town, but there's more music that comes in. There's more theater that comes in. There's more ideas that come in. Mm -hmm. The thing that I like least about it here is the lack of diversity. And Mm -hmm. I think the university brings some of that. But coming from Austin, Bloomington feels very white. Yeah, It's something I noticed immediately upon arriving, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to say it's a concern of mine, but I think it's a downside of living here. Mm -hmm. It's something that I liked about Austin and visiting Chicago and other places. It's something Mm -hmm. I note there. Is that something we don't have? Yeah. So that brings us up to the present day, and you've already said that you wish that you could stay there forever, Mm -hmm. but do you think that that is something that is likely to happen, or do you see another move in your future? I think the most likely situation is that we will move again, just because the track that Andrew is on at work is that he wants to be a professor at a research university. Mm -hmm. There's a research university here, but I think it's more likely that he would get a job somewhere else. We're not ruling the possibility out of staying, but I think being realistic, it's probably likely that we'll move. Do you and Andrew want similar things in the next city that you look for? I think that Andrew and I prefer similar living situations, and I know that he really loves it here, but his career is so important to him that he'll probably feel better if we make sacrifices in terms of our location. If it means a really great work situation for him, then I will. Right. I mean, and I obviously want him to do well and be happy in his work, but I maybe have a little bit more investment in staying We have run into not the same situation, but when we were looking at leaving Austin, Neil really had his dream job there. Mm -hmm. So we're walking away from this ideal working situation and into an unknown because it's really hard to know exactly what your working situation is going to be like until you're in it. Mm -hmm. And doing that for a location, the question then becomes, how not ideal of a job are you willing to take Mm -hmm. to get a location that you want? And I think that he's very comfortable with the decision that we made. And he Mm -hmm. was a driving force behind leaving Austin. Yeah. And I know he's happier in Bloomington in terms of the location, but it's hard to balance all of that. Mm -hmm. Often the perfect job or the right job isn't in the perfect location. And how much weight do you put to each of those and balancing the needs of a whole family? Mm -hmm. It's complicated. Big things to think about. So do you guys think you'll move? I don't know. We came here thinking we're trying to find our forever place, find a place to put down roots. Mm -hmm. Neil and I both grew up in the same city our whole lives until we Mm -hmm. left for college. And I wanted that for my kids because that's what I knew. Mm -hmm. And so 
once we decided we wanted to move, to me, I felt like, okay, well, if we're going to do it, let's do it now. So we can go ahead and start putting down the roots. And the longer you're in a place, the harder it is to leave because the more community you've developed. So once we had made the decision, I was on board and ready to do it. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm here, we have no plans to leave. And especially if I mention it to Neil, he shoots down (laughs) the idea. But I felt like I wanted to really put down roots. And now I can see us leaving. Hmm. I think I like the adventure. I think I like the challenge Mm -hmm. of being in a new place. At the same time, even being here not two years, I already love the community we've built here and it would be hard to leave. We love our church community here. I love HP's friends here and their families and I love our neighbors. We're at the point where we do see people we know regularly when we're out and about, which Mm -hmm. just feels really good. We have a lot more regular social things happening now than we did a year ago. Yeah. But I still get the itch to do something new or try something new. Hmm. I was texting my mom not that long ago, looking up jobs for Neil in New Zealand, as you do. (laughs) (laughs) And she said, Sarah, you really don't want to be settled, do you? And I thought, huh, maybe I don't. And that's the first time it had really occurred to me that... The life that would be ideal for me may be different than the one that I thought would. Yeah. And the one that I grew up with. And it was this model that, no, you just find a place and you raise your kids there. Mm -hmm. But maybe I really would like to try something new in five years Mm -hmm. and keep those options open. Yeah. So we have zero plans to leave. We're very happy here. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm acknowledging that the part of my personality that thought I wanted to be somewhere and never leave may be actually something I had constructed in my head and not who I really am or Mm. what I really want. And I think part of the reason why I'm open to that is that I've really realized that it's not the place that makes me happy. It's the community that I create there. Mm -hmm. Austin was not an ideal location for us. And we knew that going in. And it's the reason why we left. But I was happy there. I had good friends there and great experiences. And it was hard to leave. Mm -hmm. All the places I've lived... I've been happy there and there have been different challenges and sometimes the place itself makes it more challenging to find the kind of community that I want Mm -hmm. or to live the kind of life that I want. But learning how to make friends as an adult and learning what I need to be happy has, I think, given me that confidence to feel like I could move somewhere else and be okay, Mm -hmm. even though I'm in a great spot now. I think that's a really powerful perspective to have because I feel less sure about those things. I think because it feels like we're in such a sweet spot Mm -hmm. where we are in terms of housing, where we want to be living, being really affordable and the free buses and all the walkability and the really wonderful friends that we have. And this is where Plum was born. So it feels really special. I think that's so hard. It was hard to leave Austin for that reason. Yeah. But it feels like if or when we move, that we'll lose some fit to some degree in at least one of those categories. Mm -hmm. And that it's hard for me to imagine a place that suits us quite as well as this does. Yeah. But then again, we're going to change. Maybe there's not a place that would suit us as well as this does right now, but maybe there's a place that would suit who our future selves are just as well as this does. Or there's a place that is a better fit in a way you don't even know right now. So true. There's probably things about Carborough that you didn't even know you wanted in a place Mm -hmm. until you had it. And in a new place you moved to, it's probably going to offer things that you didn't realize you were looking for. Could be. Let's move on to what we've been eating. I have been eating our CSA, which started yesterday. Yay! For those who don't know, a CSA is Community Supported Agriculture. And we paid up front a certain amount. And then for 26 weeks, we get a bag of food every Saturday. So we don't get to choose what goes in it. The farmer selects things that are in season at the time. Yesterday, we cooked the asparagus and we ate all the strawberries. And Mm -hmm. I had a great spinach salad. Sounds awesome. I like a CSA because it challenges me to eat different things than I normally would Mm -hmm. and things that I wouldn't always buy. 
This year, we are doing a half share instead of a full share, which I think will be better. Mm -hmm. We could eat all of the produce in terms of the volume of produce in a full share, but I do like having a little bit more control over what we get. Mm -hmm. So with the half share, I'm getting things that I might not necessarily buy. I like having the variety. I like supporting the farmer. But then the other half of the produce that we need each week, I get to choose what it is. And things like last spring, we would get six bags of greens Whoa. <laughs> instead of, of three and we like greens but that is a lot to eat in a week uh-huh so I felt like there was a little bit more waste and I'm looking forward to see what else comes as the season continues nice so I've been eating homemade hummus mm. and I'm still in uber frugal month with the frugal woods and so I was thinking about what could I have that would be kind of more snacky and I was like, oh, hummus. And I love to dip bell peppers in hummus. Yes. And then I was like, I can get chickpeas and cook them in the Instant Pot mm-hmm. and then make my own hummus. And so I did that yesterday. And I put also a whole clove of garlic in. Mm-hmm. So it's really garlicky. But it's just been really yummy so far. I'm the one who likes it the best in my family. Plum was not so sure about it. I gave her a mm-hmm. spoonful. Do you think it was the garlic? It might have the been the garlic. Because she likes chickpeas, right? Yeah, she likes bean things of all kinds. I think it might have been the garlic because it was a pretty big clove. And, you know, raw garlic is pretty spicy. It the is. other thing I might try is roasting the garlic before mm. I put it in the next time I make it, which I think will help. And you could roast some bell peppers and have roasted pepper and garlic. That actually sounds really amazing. So maybe that's what I'll do next time. I think that's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Sarah, and with all of you listeners. Listeners, we would love to hear about the places you live or have lived and the things that you like or don't like about them. You can join the conversation online at friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. A special thanks to everyone who has left a rating or review on iTunes. We so appreciate you taking the time to do so. Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. I can't say what I would miss or don't miss since I live here. Yep. (laughs) Okay. Then, or, sorry, let me say that again. My microphone came at me. That's good self-awareness. Thanks, Mom.